The reading is taken from Mark, chapter 2, starting at verse 23. And it's on page 1013 in the Church Bibles. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abithar, the high priest, he entered. The house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good? or to do evil, to save life, or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out, and began to plot with Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Susan. Let's pray together as we uh, reflect on uh, what we've just heard. Lord Jesus, uh, the reason we meet together on Sundays like this is because it was on a Sunday that you burst from the tomb and you defeated the power of sin and death. And so I pray that you would help us this morning to understand what it means to, to rest in you and to rest in your finished work for us on the cross. We pray that we would be a people whose lives are shaped by your grace. Amen. So on the 1st of January, uh, which seems a really long time ago now, we launched a a rule of life uh, for us here at Christchurch, a a kind of trellis of seven spiritual disciplines or rhythms of grace to help us stay connected with and keep growing in Jesus, the true vine. And what we've tried to do is match up the seven uh, values that we looked at last term uh, with a particular practice from the life and teaching of Jesus Uh, which can help train us to become people who worship fully or pray dependently and so on. 
Uh, so, so far then, we've looked at worship, we've looked at prayer, we've looked at silence and solitude, we've looked at community, we've looked at study, we've looked at simplicity, and uh, today we finish up our series by looking at probably the oldest of the spiritual disciplines, but possibly also one of the most neglected, especially in our day and age here in modern uh, England. I believe that the quality of our witness to Jesus is really linked to our ability to rest in him. Uh, Sabbath isn't a new idea, of course. It appears for the first time uh, on page one of the Bible. Uh, so when God had finished his work of creation, he blessed the seventh day and he set it apart as a day of holy rest. And of course, it's number four of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So that's the a bit of the background. So now let me ask you, picture the scene with me that, uh, from the reading we've just heard. It's a hot, lazy Saturday afternoon. Jesus and his disciples have been at the synagogue and now they're headed back to their camp on the outskirts of town. Jesus' apprentices have been on the road a lot and they're hungry. So as they walk home through a cornfield, they they rub a few ears of corn together in their hands and and pop them in their mouths. Little do they know that they're being watched. Jesus has been causing quite a stir recently because of all the amazing things that he's been doing and saying. And like a group of journalists hot on the trail of a, a rising politician, the Pharisees are keeping an eye on Jesus to see whether he's sound or not. Is Jesus a threat to Jewish security, the Jewish way of life? Is he a friend to God's people or a foe? And the Pharisees take Jesus to task. Don't you know that your apprentices are breaking the Sabbath? Sabbath was fundamental to the identity of the Jewish people. Uh, Now, uh, in the uh, Jewish rules of the time, the halakha, uh, there were 39 different types of activity uh, that you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath. And reaping grain was one of them. So no good rabbi would condone their disciples breaking the Sabbath law. So clearly, Jesus couldn't be sound. He couldn't be trusted. Now, you and I might hear, uh, hear that and think, oh my goodness, how legalistic is just rubbing a few ears of corn and that constitutes work. But notice how Jesus responds. Jesus doesn't respond by saying, I, <coughs> excuse me, I, the Son of Man, have come to abolish the Sabbath. Is that what he says? No. In fact, what he says is quite the opposite. 
he effectively says, I'm all about Sabbath. I'm Mr. Sabbath. That's my paraphrase. This is what Jesus says. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite way of talking about himself, is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now, Sabbath, um, you read through the Gospels and you'll see that Sabbath was a major point of controversy between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day. And today's reading is just one of many uh, in the Gospels. And it's such a big deal because Sabbath observance served as a kind of identity marker. Uh, It was like a badge. It was one of those things that reminded the Jews that they were God's people set apart from all the other nations of the world. And the Pharisees worried that Jesus' actions were undermining something so central to Jewish identity. In fact, what was actually true was the opposite. Instead of turning the dial down on, on Sabbath, what we actually see Jesus doing is turning it all the way up to 11. He didn't have a problem with Sabbath itself. Rather, Jesus had a problem with a way of keeping Sabbath that made it more duty than delight, and therefore had missed the point entirely. So here's, here's my summary of what we learn about Sabbath from Jesus here. Sabbath is an invitation to lay our deadly doing down and rest in God's sovereign grace. And as we uh, look at this a little bit more this morning, uh, I want us to basically ask four questions. First, what is Sabbath rest? Why do we need Sabbath rest? Where do we get Sabbath rest? And how do we practice Sabbath rest? So first, what is Sabbath rest? Listen again to what Jesus said. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the first thing I want us to hear is, Sabbath is a gift. It was made for you. God gives the Sabbath as something to be enjoyed, not something to be endured. The opening story of the Bible tells us that God created the world in six days and he rested. God rested. Anyone here think that they don't need to rest? God rested. Not because he was tired. Isaiah says that God doesn't grow faint or weary. But because his work was done. God surveyed all that he'd made. And he looked. I said, it's very good. It's great. I can't improve on it. Originally then, the Sabbath speaks of uh, creation being brought to its completion. The phrase there was, in the, when you go back to Genesis 1 and the creation story, you'll notice that uh, the phrase, there was evening and there was morning, appears on every day apart from day 7, the Sabbath day. And that's important because it's like a little signal, a little marker saying that creation isn't an end in itself. Rather, the end is God's presence filling creation. That is the goal. That's where everything's heading. So God rested for our benefit, not for his. He rested to teach us that our work isn't an end in itself. 
and to invite us into his rest. In the ancient world of Israel's neighbors, uh, rest was the prerogative of gods and kings, not humans, not mere mortals like you and me. Uh, so in the, in the Babylonian creation story, uh, their god Marduk says that he'll create humans for, quote, the service of the gods that they might be at ease. In other words, Marduk creates humans to be his slaves so that he can sit back and have a rest. How different that is to the biblical creation story. God doesn't make humans to be slaves. He makes them to be kings and queens of his creation. He makes us in his image, and in doing so, he invites us to share his rest. Seventh-day rest has that foundation in the creation story. The creator God built the rhythm of six days work, one day rest, into the very fabric of his creation from the get-go. But there's also a second dimension to the Sabbath, which is rooted in the story of Israel's liberation from slavery in Egypt. And this is reflected in the, the version of the Ten Commandments in Exodus, 20, uh, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Uh, if you want to afterwards, go, go home and compare it. It's really interesting. Um, and that's not just me, a Bible nerd, saying it's really interesting. But, um, but in Exodus, the Sabbath is grounded in the story of creation. But in Deuteronomy, even though it's written on stone tablets, there's a different reason given. It says this, he says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And the point is this. Slaves don't get a Sabbath. The Sabbath is a celebration of freedom. And so God gave his people the Sabbath as a weekly reminder that they were no longer slaves, that he had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. But the really interesting thing is that God caused the Israelites to start celebrating the Sabbath where? In the wilderness. In other words, before they've even arrived in the promised land, whilst they're still on the way, God invites his people to start living as if they've already arrived. Sabbath, then, is, is a signpost. It says that history is going somewhere toward that ultimate day of future rest, toward the new heaven and the new earth when God's presence will fill his creation again. So Sabbath both looks back to the past rescue, but also it looks forward to that ultimate hope. And that's why the author of the letter to the Hebrews says that there is a Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God. So question, second question, why do we need Sabbath rest? And the simple answer is because it was made for us. The Sabbath was made for man, Jesus says. God has woven a pattern of work and rest into the very fabric of creation and therefore, uh, I love this, uh, the, what the philosopher H.H. Farmer says. He says, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. If you try working flat out all day, every day, you're going to get splinters. 
It's going to come back. If you don't, uh, I can't remember who it was, but I was re- as I was preparing for this, that someone said, if you don't take a rest, God has a way of making you take a rest. And so our need for rest is just part of what it means to be human. And we have limitations, the biggest of which is our time. So in 2021, Oliver Berkman wrote a best-selling book called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals. Because that's the average lifespan, 4,000 weeks. That's how long you got. So, sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but you're mortal, you're not God, and that means we can't do everything. And that's probably the biggest reason that we need to rest, to remind us that we are finite creatures, we're not the infinite creator. It's not healthy for us to be working all the time. In fact, there was, a, uh, there was a time during the French Revolution when they tried to switch to a 10-day week in order to increase productivity. Power to the people and all of that. What happened? Not only did productivity plummet, but the suicide rate skyrocketed. Work is good, but it's not meant to consume our lives. Our relationship to work uh, in the modern Western world is seriously out of kilter. And it isn't helped by the fact that most of us carry around in our pockets this device, which means that we can read and respond to emails anytime, day or night, in the toilet, wherever you are. And so if for no other reason, we need rest for the sake of our own health and well-being. And so, again, this sounds really, really, really harsh, but it's just true, so forgive me. You're not indispensable to the running of the universe. God's got it covered. Uh, he'll, He'll manage just fine if you take one day off in seven. He really will. And that's the real challenge of Sabbath, admitting that we're not God and that we're not in control of our lives. Uh, there's a, um, a Jewish scholar called uh, Matiatu Sverat, uh, who says that the Sabbath is a weekly reminder that we're not the masters of our own time and our own lives. He writes, uh, every, seventh, every seventh day, he says, the Israelite renounces his autonomy and affirms God's dominion over him. Keeping the Sabbath is acceptance of the kingdom and sovereignty of God. In other words, taking a rest is a way of saying, God's on the throne of my life, not me. But there's another reason for the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath isn't just about stopping and resting, but stopping and resting in order to enjoy God and his world. God doesn't command us to rest because he's a killjoy, God commands us to rest that we might delight ourselves in him. You know, the, the first command, what's the, let's see if you know this. What's the first command that God gives Adam and Eve? It, 
everyone thinks, don't eat from the tree. The first command is actually, freely eat from every tree in here apart from this one. The first command is, have fun. Enjoy. I've made this beautiful, amazing world. Have at it. God rests in order to enjoy his very good world. And God invites us to rest so that we can enjoy it with him. Does that sound like a chore to you? So Dan Dan Allender uh, says this. He says, Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. Doesn't that sound like a religion you could sign up to? Now, this moves us towards a much deeper explanation of why we need the Sabbath. There's an inner rest that we all need. What do I mean by an inner rest? Uh, St. Augustine famously said that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. There is an inner restlessness in all of us. And what is it? Essentially, it's the need to prove ourselves. To try and say that our lives have meaning and value. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a scene in the film Rocky. How many of you have seen Rocky? Uh, okay, not very many. Okay. So it's a, it's a film about a boxer. Um, and uh, he comes from uh, kind of a, a rough part of town. Uh, and he's uh, getting ready to, to, to fight um, kind of the champion of the day, Apollo Creed. Uh, and he says that the reason that he wants to go the distance with Apollo Creed is so that he can know for the first time in his life that he's not just another bum from the neighborhood. See, the work underneath our work that we need rest from is trying to give meaning to our own lives. And there's another great example of this in the film Chariots of Fire. How many of you have seen Chariots of Fire? Please. A few more. Praise the Lord. Okay. So it's based on the story of two sprinters from the 1924 Olympic Games uh, in Paris. And one of them, Eric Liddell, was a committed Christian, and he refused to run on Sundays. So when the gold medal race was scheduled for a Sunday, he withdrew from it, even though he was the favorite. His main rival, however, was a man named Harold Abrahams. And at one point in the film, Abraham speaks of his motivation in the, uh, in the race like this. He says, I've got 10 seconds to justify my existence. You see, whereas Liddell ran for the glory of God, and he said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Abrahams ran in order to prove himself to try and bolster the sense of meaning and value of his life. What was the difference between these two runners, between Eric Liddell and Harold Abrahams? One was running from rest. He was already secure in who he was. One was running from fear, from a sense of needing to know who he was, needing to prove who he was. 
And this captures the difference between religion and the gospel. Because religion says, if I work hard, I'll be accepted. But the gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I want to work hard. Religion says, I'm only as good as what I do. But the gospel says, I'm loved for who I am. Religion says, if I obey God, God will give me good things. The gospel says, because God has already freely given me all things in Christ, I want to obey him with all that I have. Do you see the difference? We spend so much of our lives, so much of our work, trying to convince God, trying to convince others, trying to convince ourselves that we're worthwhile people. But while we're busy truly trying to be our own saviors, we can never truly rest. Which gets us to our third question, where do we get Sabbath rest? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Did you catch what Jesus said? Jesus offers us rest for our souls. That's the ultimate rest that the Sabbath points toward. The Sabbath isn't just about rest for our bodies, though that matters and it's really important. The Sabbath takes us to that deeper rest that we all need. Rest from the relentless pressure of having to try and justify our existence. Jesus lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died so that through his finished work on the cross, we can rest in God's love. What were his final words on the cross? It is finished. Like God at the end of the sixth day saying, it's all done. There's rest now. Sleep experts have discovered that in order to be properly refreshed, we need not only the right amount of sleep, but also the right depth of sleep. So we need deep sleep, REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. So if you took eight one-hour naps, that won't refresh you in the same way that a one eight-hour block of sleep will. And in a similar way, we can take all the holiday we like and still be worn out. Why? Because while we all need physical rest from the weariness of our our external work, whatever that might be, we're also all in need of that deeper soul-level rest that a day off alone can't fix. If we really, truly want to rest, we have to rest in Jesus. Come to me and I will give you rest. Only he, through what he's done for us on the cross, through his death, through his resurrection, can take away that deep inner need to prove ourselves. You don't need to prove yourself with God. 
God knows you're a sinner. And he loves you all the same. You don't need to work. He loves you not for anything you do. He loves you not because you're, you're out feeding the, feeding the hungry every night of the week. He loves you not because you're knocking on the door, door of every house preaching the gospel. He loves you because he loves you. You don't have to prove yourself to him. So where do we get Sabbath rest from? Jesus. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. The deep rest we all need is knowing that we're, not, that we're loved for who we are, not what we do. We can't earn God's love. We don't need to do anything to be loved by God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Where in there is anything about, I've got to prove myself, I've got to do X, Y, Z before God loves me? It's not there. A.J. Swoboda writes, Sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder that we are not what we do. Rather, we are who we are loved by. I love that. The cross of Jesus says that we're accepted not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done for us, out of his love for us. That's the true rest our souls need. And so we're like the man with the shriveled hand in Mark 3. Uh, Jesus comes to save life, to bring us back into the fullness of life, which is life in union, in relationship, in partnership with God. And therefore, when Jesus speaks to our hearts, like he does to the man with the shriveled hand, then we are completely restored. All we have to do is nothing. And most of us can't do it. There's an old hymn that puts it like this. Lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. So Christians aren't people who try very, very hard to be like Jesus. Christians are people who rest not in their work, but in Jesus' work for them. So real rest comes when we stop trying to justify ourselves and allow Jesus to justify us. It comes from clinging to the cross. It comes from trusting his work, not our own. So the fourth question, how do we practice Sabbath rest? In Christ, Sabbath is a celebration. It's a celebration of what he's done for us through his life and death and resurrection. It's a celebration of new creation that's burst into the world in him and through him. And the main point of Sabbath then isn't just to put our feet up and watch TV. Not that that's necessarily always a bad thing. But the main point of Sabbath is to enjoy God. The Sabbath isn't just a day for sitting still and, and twiddling our fingers. It's a day for worship. 
A Christian Sabbath is about enthroning Jesus as our king. It's a way of centering our lives on him and being reminded of who we are in him. Because Sabbath finds its fulfillment in Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, the only true Sabbath we must celebrate must focus on him. Sabbath without him at the center isn't a Sabbath, it's a day off. Uh, But a Sabbath isn't the same thing as a day off. Uh, And the American pastor, Eugene Peterson, put this rather provocatively, his his words, not mine. Uh, He said, a day off is a bastard Sabbath. It's the illegitimate child of seventh-day rest. The purpose of it is to make us feel better, to restore our strength for a new week of work. But the point of a biblical Sabbath is directed towards God. The Hebrew word Shabbat, from which we get the word Sabbath, literally means to stop. And so the, the Sabbath isn't just an opportunity to get jobs done around the house, cleaning the bathroom, cutting the grass, paying the bills. On Sabbath, we stop from all our work, both paid and unpaid, and we embrace our limitations. It's a day of joyfully reminding ourselves that God's on the throne of our lives. And that's a good thing. So John Mark Comer suggests that a good way of determining, determining what to do on a Sabbath is to ask yourself this. Is it rest and is it worship? And if your answer to either is a flat no or if it's in any way hesitant, he recommends holding off on it. There are six other days for all that stuff. Remember what Jesus says. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Sabbath exists to restore God to the throne of your life And in doing so, enable you to enjoy him and to enjoy his good creation. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton, who's written about this, explains that the invitation of Sabbath rest is to pay attention to what restores both your body and your soul. Uh, Lauren Winner uh, points out that uh, in the Jewish tradition, married couples got rabbinical brownie points for having sex on the Sabbath. Um, So... It's about, it's about life. That's what the Sabbath is meant to be about. It's a celebration. But on the other hand, it's also about anticipation. We celebrate all that God is for us in Christ. But like the Israelites in the wilderness after leaving Egypt, we also recognize that we're not yet home. Remember what we said at the beginning, the seventh day is the only day in the story of creation that doesn't have, and there was evening And there is mourning. Why? Because the ultimate rest to which we're heading is perfect union with God. To be one with God. The psalmist says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. Where's joy? Where God is. Sabbath is a day for sitting and waiting for the fullness of God, who alone can replenish body, mind, and spirit. And so today I just want to encourage us all to consider entering into the practice of Sabbath rest, not only for the good of our own souls, but also as a way of witnessing to the world around us. Now we live in an industrial, success-oriented world, uh, society, full of weary, anxious, stressed out people. Have you seen any weary, anxious, stressed out people anywhere? 
what better way to show them and tell them the good news than by being a people of deep soul-level rest? Wouldn't that be an amazing witness to a stressed-out world? Rather than being sucked into the never-stopping go-go-go culture, just imagine the impact of a countercultural people who know how to stop, who know how to lay down their tools, who are secure enough to know that they can rest because God's on the throne of their lives. A people who embody the good news that you are not what you do, but who you are loved by. Wouldn't that be amazing? So I want to invite you to enjoy the rest beneath all the rest. That's the, that's the most important bit. The liberation that can only come from uh, trusting in Jesus' work for us at the cross. Because if you're not experiencing that deep soul level rest, it could be because your Christianity isn't yet Christianity at all. It could actually still be religion rather than the gospel. A Christianized form of it, but it could well be that the rest that underneath the rest isn't there because you're still trying to save yourself, but more, more in a Christian way. And if that's you, just lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. Look to him and keep looking to him on the cross, asking him all the time to open your eyes to what he's already accomplished for you. Everything's already done. You're already accepted by God. You're already loved to the most by God. You don't need to do anything. And so make looking to Jesus the center of your Sabbath because he's the fulfillment of the human longing for rest. Allow the Sabbath to preach the gospel to your heart. I am loved and I am forgiven. And third, uh, the theologian Walter Brueggemann says, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. So let the Sabbath reorient your whole life back to the living God. Take a day, a week to stop. Mark it in your diary if you have to, to set it apart. That's what it means to, uh, to, to make it, to, when God says uh, to set it apart as holy. Holy just means set apart, set it apart. Now, this isn't about legalism. Uh, there's no formula, there's no checklist here. It's an invitation. Ruth Haley Barton encourages us, us to start by asking ourselves, what activities will I refuse to engage in so that it is truly a day of rest, worship, and delight. So for, for me, one of those things is turning this thing off, as well as all the other electronic stuff, so that uh, I'm not checking my emails. You can think of a million more ways that that might affect you. But the question is, what activities will help me rest, worship, and celebrate all that's good in God's life? Hopefully being at church with the church family will. Maybe taking a walk. Eat good food. So our, our Sabbath in our home, it's a time to splurge on food. So it's a weekly, it's a weekly uh, 
well, it's weekly gluttony, basically, but authorized gluttony. But whatever leads you homeward to God, whatever leads you home to God, that's the invitation of Sabbath. So let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, you invite all who are weary and burdened to come to you and find rest, not just for their bodies, but for their souls. Thank you for freeing us from slavery to sin and from the incessant need to prove ourselves. Help us to rest more and more and more in your finished work for us at the cross and make us a people who radiate rest to the world around us. Oh Lord, may the world see in us such a freedom that can only be found in the gospel. Teach us the art of celebration rest, thankful for all that you've done for us, but also looking ahead with joy to our final rest in you. Amen. And one of the, one of the best ways uh, of um, being reminded of that rest, of that finished work, is as we share the bread and, bread and wine around the table, uh, which we'll do in a little bit. But as we, uh, we're going to respond in song in a moment, but I also just want to uh, invite us, especially after, um, after we've received communion, the, the prayer chapel will be open. I just want to invite, if there's anyone who's feeling dog-tired, either physically or at that soul level, we would love to come alongside you and pray for you. And that's the invitation. It's just Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if we can pray for you, we'll be delighted to do that. The prayer chapel will be open, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll pray. But in the meantime, can I, can I invite you to stand if you're able? Let's sing uh, uh, as a response to all that we've, uh, we've been thinking about this morning and as we prepare to come to the table. Let's stand. <laughs>